0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview, Pregame.com, the college basketball edition. I am AJ Hoffman, your affable host, joined as always by Griffin Warner. Hello, Griffin. How are you tonight?
1: I'm great. Hoping to be as affable as our host.
0: Well, uh, so here we, we always give a recap of what we did on the last pod with our best bets. And we're, there's some we're up in the air right now because uh, West Virginia did not come through for us last night, so we're at least zero and one. Belmont is currently pending. I'm not going to say the score of the game because we laid thirteen, and if I say the score, they'll probably lose outright. So I'm I'm not going to pull the reverse jinx on us, but. Hopefully, we have a better idea of, of how things are, maybe by the end of this pod, or or maybe we'll just have to have a double recap of a best bet uh, on Sunday. But either way, we have got – for you know what? Let's talk about some of what we saw last week, or at least one of the games we saw last week, because we were talking about it off air, and one of the most shocking performances this season has to be what – Arizona did against UCLA were, were you surprised at, at how lopsided that game was and were you surprised at how it played out
1: well we talked about it quite a bit um and I kind of felt that because we were talking about really the point spread even uh Arizona was a clear favorite as as you projected and I thought that UCLA might even be a slight favorite at home uh maybe I, I'm not at all saying i'm right by any means but i i wonder if i looked into that a little bit deeper if um some of that might have told a different story but from the game i watched it was arizona taking a bunch of shots from the perimeter and them not going in and then almost it was looking like they were panicking and uh taking quicker shots and the first open shot they got and not really working the ucla defense and that made it a lot easier for ucla to get out and transition and i think it's just one of those things I wonder about Arizona because they didn't really have a tournament run last season as they were uh, not very good, but also were I think taking a postseason ban. Um, it's funny how you can do that when you're not going to make it anyway. But um, that that certainly gives me some pause about Arizona. Oklahoma State, forward. yeah, and then Oklahoma <laughs> State this year. Um, good luck with knowing really what they're thinking.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was I was just really surprised, and I'll say this. And and I lost some money on Arizona that night, but I I think that when they play again, I'll probably be on the cats again because it just felt like these were self inflicted wounds, and maybe it's a, you know maybe there's something to a young team going up against a team that's made a Final Four run. I mean, there, there's obviously a uh, a a, a, lo- a big difference in experience but that just felt like a game where Arizona just didn't show they they got it got off the bus just wrong and shots wouldn't fall they were missing layups in transition which i mean if this team's not killing you in transition what are they going to do so uh I, it was a a disappointing showing but i think maybe gave us a, an idea that, that it, the the number may not be as bad as it was like the, the, the final score of that game, even though they UCLA won by a million, maybe they should have only won by like 20,000 instead.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I think it might even provide some value to us. Because uh, I don't think that either you nor I have really been in love with UCLA based on a, a really good tournament run last year where they got hot or really were just playing snail games.
0: And they're playing tonight against Cal, and they were 16-point favorites against Cal. And it took all of me not to bet on Cal because Cal's been a little feisty lately. And you have to think there's some kind of a letdown after what, what they did to Arizona. but
1: Possibly, yeah.
0: There there are a ton of great games coming up this week. Uh, we've got one Big Ten matchup we're going to discuss. And then we've got three games that are in this Big 12 SEC showdown, which I kind of dig it in the middle of the season. Normally, teams are in the groove of conference play. How do you feel about these teams taking a non-conference break in the middle of the season and playing against each other?
1: You know, I, I think it's a good preview for the NCAA tournament, I got to say. Um, hard to really compare because these all these matchups are set ahead of time. And certainly some teams are outperforming or underperforming at preseason expectations. Um, but I, I feel like there's a lot of teams that really know each other really well and coaches that know each other really well in conference. And sometimes those results can be a little bit unexpected just based on maybe someone having a really good scouting report of Tom Izzo or usually probably Izzo going the other way whereas here we're kind of get, going to get a bunch of teams that don't know each other very well and I think that I mean my my favorite thing is is preseason or, or early in the season uh non-conference uh tournaments or the the invites where you're playing on a neutral floor yeah. we don't exactly have that here with crowds but uh it's as close as we're going to get once conference play starts
0: Uh, Speaking of Izzo, that's the one game that we're going to cover outside of the Big 12 SEC showdown. So let's jump right into it. Michigan at Michigan State. We're going to project the Spartans at about minus five. What do you got?
1: I mean, really tough to know what you're going to get from the road, Michigan, here. Um, I think... Uh, a pretty good performance at times that watched a lot of the Northwestern game, uh, this week and, uh, they had to hang on for dear life after looking like a couple times they were going to pull away, um, coming off a, a pretty big dominant win at Indiana and also a dominant win against Maryland. Um, uh, three good wins after coming off of uh, a really kind of slow period with very few games due to COVID pauses and things like that. Um, I, I think we've talked about Michigan at length on this podcast, that they are a a really good big guy. And then it depends what they get from their perimeter players. Uh, I think in this type of situation, uh, Michigan State is going to have, I mean, because it's it's like the big brother, little brother school in Michigan, where I think a lot of Michigan State attendees, it's a lot of times because they can't get into Michigan. I don't mean to make that a really (laughs) negative thing to say out loud, but I think a lot of people admit to that, um, which is bizarre. I feel like in most states they wouldn't. Um, But I think it's one of those things where Michigan State is going to be out for blood. All their fans are going to be going nuts. It's going to be a really tough environment for environment for Michigan shooters that I think it doesn't take a lot to throw them off. Uh, and I'm not sure that, that Hunter Dickinson is enough inside. So, uh, believe it or not, I'm looking and hoping for Michigan state to come a little shorter than what you're projecting. I'm not expecting them to, uh, but that would be the only side I want in this game. I think,
0: uh, I kind of lean against you in this one. Well, first of all, you're, the, the fans are going to be rabid because Michigan state's fan base was really upset that, they went all the way to Ann Arbor. They drove a full hour, and then they got the game canceled for COVID. Like you couldn't. I mean, shut up. Get, get, let's get over that. But uh, you, it's funny you said you watched that a good chunk of that Northwestern game, and so did I. One of the things I noticed was Devonte Jones, the the Michigan point guard, was like suddenly uh, like going to the basket which i haven't seen him do once this whole year and i saw him go like four or five times off the dribble just go and he got he ended up getting to the line six times six or six for six on on free throws he'd only made 16 free throws all season before that game and i think that they, like you saw at the end of that northwestern game their offense kind of starting to, to do something for the first time in a while another change that they've made is they're putting Dickinson and Diabate on the floor at the same time. So at the beginning of the season, it was like, well, Dickinson's the center and Diabate's is going to come off the bench because, you know, we've got to have, uh, we've got to have Brandon Johns on the floor because he's the older, he's the experienced guy. And now they realize, Oh, Diabate is just better than Brandon Johns. So we'll put them both on the floor at the same time. And then Brandon Johns can come off the bench and, I don't think there's I don't think that it ever doesn't make sense to not have, or to have your two best players on the floor at the same time. So I think that they've got maybe they've been fiddling with things to try and figure out what's going on. And I think that that, you know, Jones playing the way he did gave them an added dimension. They had he had his second best O rating of the season. Uh, so the win at Indiana is their best one of the season and that was the one right before the Northwestern game. I, I don't know that you're going to find a more talented team in the country that's 10 and 7 straight up. And then Michigan State uh, on the other side it, like uh, this is another game I watched them against Illinois and they just slept walked in the first half. I, I don't know like it's like they just didn't show up. Then they had a furious uh comeback and then they end up losing by one point. But that was Illinois without Coburn, without Curbello and on one of if not the worst shooting night of Trent Frazier's career so I think Michigan State's a little overvalued based on their record at the moment especially given they've lost to the three best teams they've they've played this year conversely I I just think Michigan looks like maybe they're rounding into the form that we expected in the preseason they're finally healthy for the first time I I think I like the Wolverines here so maybe we got a little a little battle going on this one
1: You know, I think, I mean, Michigan doesn't have any time to waste. They got to start going because they are nowhere near preseason expectations. And I think are are in trouble with making the tournament right now. Um, But certainly, but I will admit, I am not a huge Michigan state fan have not been really for the last few years. Still think that there are big turnover problems at point guard. So, uh, and and that's the most important position on the floor, in my opinion. So uh, I'm, it's not hard to talk me away from or to stay away from, from back in the Spartans here, but uh, just based on a little bit of circumstance, where the game's being played and what should be a crazy fan base. Um, your, good point, though, about Illinois. That was not a one point loss, to put it that way. They were getting blown out the whole game.
0: Uh, let's go to this SEC Big 12 challenge where we've got one of the games of the year so far. Kentucky at Kansas. We're going to project Kansas minus three here. And I think, really, you can't do anything with this until you know the status of Ty Ty Washington. And the Kentucky offense absolutely melted against Auburn after he got hurt. Like it, it, Kentucky looked like they were going to roll to a nice win against Auburn on the road. He gets hurt, and suddenly they just, the ball just was, it's like no one knew what to do on offense. And then they took, it took them overtime at home to shake off Mississippi State, who's good, but not great. The offense just kind of meanders without him, and his ability to play one through three gives them the ability to throw physical mismatches at people. And not to mention, he's basically the only guy besides Kellen Grady who can actually shoot. So, Kansas coming off that double overtime win against Texas Tech, which was one of the best games I've seen this year. Uh, and But they've had since Monday to rest. Uh, Remy Martin's minutes continue to climb, so it looks like he's okay at this point. The matchup to watch is Sheboy and McCormick. These are the two best offensive rebounders in the country, number one and number two on offensive rebound rate in the country. They are going to be banging heads all night. I cannot wait to see it. To me, right now, the X factor for Kansas is, is Abaji. And he, in that Tech game, he was he was the reason they won. He had a career-high 37 points. He has most developed as a shooter. Uh, he's up for, he's 47% from three this year. He was 37% last year. And now you're starting to – this guy is one of the, the better scorers in the conference, if not the country, this season. Uh, normally – when these two teams play they normally play in that preseason uh, multi-team tournament the the ch- tournament of champions or whatever they call it and it often seems like Bill Self has an advantage because uh, you know it's a it's an experienced team playing against Calipari's typically young teams really early in the season this is a different scenario because this is not a young Kentucky team uh, but with the questions about Ty Ty it's kansas or pass for me if i find out that that washington is is ruled out again i'm going to probably jump on kansas as quickly as i can what do you think
1: yeah at a current minus three aj swami projection uh I, i it's really hard for me to have any interest in kentucky whatsoever and i think i would play kansas at that number um i think based on ty ty's uh potential questionable nature um might even be something i'd play sooner rather than later because i don't know about really many injury problems facing kansas they played uh on monday night like i think you mentioned in one of the best games that either of us has has seen and probably anybody in, in the sport um I I don't know that that'll. I mean, having an extra day of rest is certainly a a better thing, even though they had to go to overtime, but so did Kentucky. And Kentucky was in a pretty good position against Michigan, or excuse me, Mississippi State. I got Tom Izzo on the brain still uh, for three consecutive segments. But um, ultimately, from where I sit, I, I think Kansas at home playing a possession or fewer is, is a really good bet to make almost at any time. I, I don't know how many teams really go in there and are getting more respect than that. So that's not something we get very often. And certainly Kentucky might be one of those teams that are able to do that. I think Oscar Shibway is going to really uh, have good success against David McCormack inside. I, I'm surprised to hear that McCormack is second in offensive rebound rate.
0: McCormack's first in offensive oh. rebound rate. Shibway's second
1: excuse me, even more surprised to hear that. Um, But I do think that that is going to be a tough matchup for Kansas, but not one that I'm scared enough about, uh, especially now hearing that it's actually number two, the other way. Um, And Kansas is going to get a ton of calls at Fog Allen. And that's going to be the craziest environment that they can, drum up basically. I mean, certainly in conference against Texas is usually pretty good. Uh, but I think ultimately against Kentucky, that's, that's probably the number one game on anyone's schedule every single season. And I can only imagine, especially because you don't get that at the fog too often, that it's going to be a pretty special environment. You mentioned Abaji, who's just, uh, and, and I almost wonder if he's just really good at getting off screens or getting himself open because he's the, the guy that you look for in that scouting report that you're not going to let take open shots. And he gets so many of them and they go in at alarming rates. So I'm really interested in in the Jayhawks at minus three and was actually considering making that my best bet, um, but didn't want to throw that on you mid-show.
0: Well, there's uh, some agreement after a little disagreement on the first game. Let's see what we line up in this matchup. Baylor, the defending champs, we're going to project them at minus five at Alabama. And honestly, you, you may laugh at this. I was going to my original number on this game. Like if you'd asked me to make this number a week ago would have been probably three and a half. And then Alabama lost to Georgia. And it just kind of made me reconsider what I think of Alabama and what the market's going to think of Alabama. Because if you remember the beginning of the season, Alabama had wins over Gonzaga and Houston back-to-back. You say Put an asterisk by that Houston game if you want, but they beat those two teams back-to-back, two of the you know five, six best teams in the country. And now in the last two weeks, they've lost to Mizzou and Georgia and basically wiped away any goodwill that they would have had, I I think, with better. So Akinjo is expected back here. That's going to be a big boost for Baylor, who actually performed pretty well without him. They won three straight since dropping those back-to-back games against Tech and Okie State. The recipe with Baylor is the same as it always is. They're, They're as good from two as they are from three. They dominate the glass, and they just don't give you anything easy on offense, And I think we have to assume this is the lowest you're going to be able to buy on Bama if you want to buy on Bama coming off that loss to Georgia. And Bama's a little bit better at home, but Baylor on the road has been strong. They went to Oregon and won. They went to Iowa State, a really tough place to play, and won. They went to Oklahoma and won. They went to West Virginia and won. And they got covers in three of those four games. I think the biggest difference between this Bama team and last year's Bama team, which I think a lot of people are still thinking this is last year's Bama team, is this is a bad three-point shooting team. And the last couple of years, they've been good enough that that their three-point shooting could bail them out in a lot of games. And they're just not. So maybe Bama's in for a huge rebound here. But again, any goodwill that Bama had with me is gone after that. So... I'm looking at Baylor or nothing here. What do you think?
1: Uh, you know, I'm trying so hard to think to myself how to make a case for Alabama. Uh, Cause I do think the number is going to be higher than it should be. Um, but I'm not really rushing out to fade Baylor. And especially not with a team like Alabama who is sitting 289th in the country at three point percentage right now, making 31% of their shots. That's like a, a team that I really want to fade like as much as I possibly can, because um, you have to shoot threes to be a good team this year now seeing the scalps that they have like you just mentioned with Gonzaga and Houston and back-to-back games those were two I think pretty good three-point shooting nights uh, also a blowout victory against Miami right before that as well so I feel like and, and listening to an interview with Nate Oates this week where he's saying you know we're gonna we've played or we're gonna end up before the end of the season playing seven of the top eight teams in Ken Palm and it's almost like that is like a medal that he's like thrown around that he's challenged himself and certainly they have good wins, but um, I think you got to take notice of who they're losing to. I mean, losses to Iona, uh, to a Memphis team, which is almost as mercurial as Alabama seemed to be. And then and then also this this Georgia loss, which I mean, I didn't catch a ton of it until towards the end, but didn't really seem like something that was out of left field uh, and shooting nine for thirty four from three as you're trying to get back into a game, just speaks to kind of who they are. I think they're the ultimate variance team if they're gonna shoot thirty threes a game, which they probably, average um if they're making 10 of them i think they got a a decent chance to beat baylor but i think they're gonna have to make a lot because baylor's gonna make it really hard on them scoring any other way and the way baylor's playing even without a kinjo i've been really impressed with with their offense still really being able to keep up an efficiency that that keeps them in the top tier of, of college basketball so uh i'm Very rarely going to advocate laying points on the road, especially in what should be a good environment. Uh, But I just think Alabama has hurt me too many times, not necessarily financially, but just they've hurt me too much for me to want to back them here and and set myself up to feel really bad about myself on Saturday night.
0: All right, let's get to the last one, the Rick Barnes special. Tennessee at Texas. Texas, we're going to project as about a three-point home favorite. Your alma mater, I'll let you take the lead here.
1: Thank you. Uh, yeah, what an emotional game. I uh, was considering making a drive down, actually, to, ke- to catch this one, to uh, welcome Rick. Your
0: Twitter avatar is Rick Barnes. It
1: It is. Uh, making a goofy face. Um, <laughs> and I... I was going to drive down and potentially welcome back to Austin with some open single fingers. But, um, you know, I, I think from where I sit as weird as that all sounds, I actually do like Tennessee in this matchup. Um, Texas minus three is probably about where it should be. I, I don't think it's like, a this line is way off where this number should be type of interest, but I think Tennessee is one of those teams. And especially from Rick Barnes, we know we're going to get defense. We should get that from Chris Beard as well. Um, But I'm just, I'm not a believer in what Texas is right now. They had a really good showing uh, in the midweek against uh, on the road at TCU in front of a really raucous crowd. Um, and credit them for that, especially coming off a pretty tough performance beforehand. But I just don't believe in the Texas offense whatsoever. What is holding me back, though, on the Tennessee side, again another game I consider as a best bet, was just trying to figure out what I can expect from the Tennessee road offense, and I don't, I don't really know what that is. I think, I think Texas is going to make it hard on them, and Tennessee is going to probably shoot a bunch of threes if a lot of them go in. Um, I think they're going to win the game straight up if a decent amount of them go in. I think they're going to be in a game and make it really tough on, on Texas on the other end. I It's almost like an under is going to be worth a look here because there's a very good chance this turns into a rock fight. Um, I just, I'm not really a believer in what Chris Beard has. I'm hoping that um, this transfer brigade isn't going to be what happens in the future. But I think he's got a lot of pieces that don't really fit together. Um, and I would like to back Tennessee here. I just don't know if I can trust that offense on the road.
0: Yeah, I don't know that the pieces don't fit together or Beard just doesn't know where they're supposed to fit, and I think you can make an argument for both. Like The, the fact that he's still tinkering with rotation at this point in the year seems problematic. Like There's like a month left in the season. You should You should know who does what by now, and it doesn't seem like he does. Which, I mean, how often do you, do you ever see that with a good team? Like, do you ever see them tinkering with their lineups still at this point in the season? I don't know that I ever remember it.
1: I mean, I think it happens, um, but from from you would really hope that as you enter February, basically like towards the climax of the season, you want to be playing maybe not your best ball right now, but I do think you want to have a, a clue of where to put each player and what lineups to use. Well, the
0: the first thing I see in this is that Tennessee's two and three on the road, and the most recent road game was Vandy. They won that, but there's no fans, and if, like even if there were fans, Vandy's a, a Vols home game anyway. Uh the Texas team they've they've won two straight, but between COVID and like I said, Beard just generally generally dealing with like kind of a new cast of characters. We don't really know what their rotations are. The only thing I know about Texas is they're going to defend and they're going to create turnovers, and I think that could be a key against a young Vols backcourt, and as much as I like Kennedy Chandler, I could see him struggling against the pressure that Beard's been throwing. I don't have a good feel where Texas is going to get their points from, but I do think it's going to be difficult for a Tennessee offense to get going that I just haven't, I don't have a whole lot of love for right now. I don't think I'm thrilled about laying points in a game that I think could potentially play in the 120s, (laughs) but I think it's horns or pass for me. I I think that, like you said, rock fight is going to be a a good way to look at this. Uh, And I, you know, I don't think, I don't think either team is going to be want to be the one that that makes a big mistake or something like that. I think, and you're going to see these teams both grind the clock down and try to win it with defense. So I, I think an under probably is a good way to look, but gun to head, I think I'd probably take Texas here.
1: Yeah. I don't know if there's enough for me uh, to back Tennessee, even if it climbs even a little bit higher than your projection. So might be one of those. I watched root for the horns to uh, give Rick Barnes a nice welcome home. Um, though Fran Fischilla, of course thinks that everyone's going to be clapping for him so we'll see
0: all right let's get into best bets I'll take honors here my game is on Saturday it is Grand Canyon at New Mexico State we're going to project it New Mexico State minus four and coming into last season New Mexico State led the all-time series between these two teams 14 to 2 Uh, They have long been the kings of the WAC, and as good as Grand Canyon was for an upstart program, Jans has always been their kryptonite. And last season was New Mexico State's worst season since 2011. They got wrecked by COVID. They got wrecked by injuries, and the WAC took advantage, Uh, particularly these Antelopes took advantage, beat them three times last year. So they beat them two times in history, and then last year they beat them three times but they've still never won a road game at New Mexico State in Las Cruces. So both games they played last year at Grand Canyon, and then they beat them on a neutral in the, uh, in the conference tournament. And now they've got to go to Las Cruces. And New Mexico State's kind of rounded back into form of what they've been the, the past couple of years. They're cl- To me, they're clearly the best team in, in the WAC. And last time out, we saw them absolutely hammer Stephen F. Austin on the road, and that's a quality road win for that conference. And they've they've got wins over Wazoo this year. They've got a win over Davidson this year. Grand Canyon is hanging their resume on one win right now, which is an off-campus home win against San Francisco by one point. Other than that, they are 0-3 against Ken Palm top 150 teams. They got swept in the Texas road trip by Stephen F. Austin and Sam Houston State. And now they play their third straight road game at probably the toughest venue in the conference. I I also love that if this is a close game late, Grand Canyon is 352nd in free throw percentage. So New Mexico State minus four against Grand Canyon on Saturday is going to be my best bet. Where are you headed, man?
1: I'm going to go to the beautiful beachfront community of Omaha, Nebraska for uh, (laughs) Creighton. They're coming off a pretty tough performance on the road at a Butler team that I think most people thought were dead man walking. Um, But ultimately, I think that they're... So Creighton's hosting Xavier on Saturday. AJ projected this at Pickham. Um, I'm thinking anything below a possession, I will lay. So minus three or below on Creighton, um, which is general generally my rule with, with favorites. Um, but I think Creighton's got a, a tough ask for them to, to bounce back off a pretty tough loss. Um, but Xavier, I think, is starting to uh, lose a little oil this season. Um, I, I feel like they entered the season as a really... Kind of, well, I don't. I guess I should say overrated, but a team that was expected to to really do things they haven't done under Travis Steele before, and coming off back-to-back losses at Marquette as a as a road favorite, at home to Providence as a pretty substantial favorite, trailed almost the whole game. It felt like. Um, I'm just not sure that they are the team that that we were thinking that they were earlier in the year, and that's a lot because Xavier's three-point shooting or perimeter shooting in general is just not very strong. I think Creighton is a team that – really lives off its crowd in a great environment in Omaha. Uh, not a lot of beach stuff to do in, in January in Omaha, but uh, I think from where I sit, Creighton is a team that's that's coming off a tough loss and certainly not an easy time to back them, uh, but they're fighting for seeding right now. This is a, a big X marks the spot on this one in terms of getting a big win for uh, tournament resumes. And I think from where I sit, I just don't believe that Xavier has enough on the perimeter to really compete with Creighton, especially if Creighton has a good shooting night. They could run away quickly.
0: Yeah, I think Creighton's kind of a team that I I thought would get better as the season went on, and I I think they certainly have. Uh, The Butler loss, uh, I'm guessing like you, kind of threw me for a loop. And this is also a, a spot where Creighton is a team that I much prefer at home. Xavier is a team I generally just look to fade on the road. So I, I think that you know, this game being in Omaha makes it makes a, a good matchup here for Creighton. So I, I think Creighton does get this win. So I, I'm with you on that one. And Ken Palm actually projects this as uh Creighton plus one. So I don't I don't think you're gonna get outside of possession, certainly.
1: Great. And that's what I'm hoping for because we need some uh, 2-0 podcasts. I, I owe it to the people.
0: All right. Well, there you go, guys. That's what we've got for this week. We appreciate you guys tuning in as always. Thanks to Mackenzie Rivers back in the back. Uh, check out his NBA podcast. It, where? On this same feed. Yeah, same feed. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Do it. Do it. Listen to all the stuff. Please tell your friends about it. Thank you to Griffin. Uh, appreciate you man doing this every week love it and i am looking forward to sunday i will talk to you guys on sunday thanks